Lord, I pray you would continue to speak now as we look at the word. And I pray that you would impress upon your hearts, our hearts that you're with us. So 21 years ago, now I will give away my age. I was an orientation leader. It was my junior year at Gordon. And uh, I remember this distinct moment. It was the day when you kind of first arrive and the students are coming and they had a dinner for us out on that lawn, like right in front of the Lane Student Center. And so I had met my students and then it was like, everybody goes to the buffet line and they get their dinner and we all sat around in this circle facing each other and it was kind of the first initial get to know you time. Like never had a conversation with these guys, I just found them, we found our group and we circled up with our food and I had this soda and I took a, a, a swig of the soda and all of this happened in like a fraction of a second. And it must have been too large of a swig because I like, I like choked on it and like instantly it just like sprayed out of my mouth like onto all of these students with their plates in front of them. And that was our orientation experience. I mean, there was just no recovering from that. Like I was so embarrassed. You know? I came in all confident thinking, yeah, orientation is going to be great, you know. I just like sprayed them and it just, it was just a rough ride from there. So I was, you know, one of the worst orientation leaders in the history of Gordon. Um, I still have lived a somewhat successful life. So there you go. This week hasn't, if this weekend hasn't been that great for you, you can still have a great four years of Gordon. Okay. The question I want to, I want to bring to you this morning is, hey, how do you navigate life? And so this is for everybody, but specifically for you students, the next four years, this next year, many of you have left home for the first time. Some of you transfer students, this is kind of not your first rodeo. What would the Lord want you to know today if there was one thing that is incredibly important or the primary thing that would, that would help you live these next four years and, and make the most of this time? that you have here, Gordon, what would that be? The scripture I'm going to read is from Hebrews 10, and you can just close your eyes and listen if you want, or you can read along in your Bible. Uh, We're going to start in verse 19, and I think embedded in this is the message that God has for you today. This is what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, opened, us, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised it's faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Such a beautiful passage. And in this today, I want to give you a couple things. I want to give you one truth, and we're going to leave you with two tools. Okay? One, 
do. I was a math teacher for a while. See that? Okay. One truth and two tools. Here's the truth. Guys, Jesus is alive. And he is with you. Jesus is alive. And he is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus Christ is Lord and he is alive. And he, the risen Savior, is with you. Guys, Christianity is not a list of rules. It's not a religion. It's not a code. It's not a a people that, that follow the greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, and try to live those things out. Christianity is about Jesus is alive. That there is a man who was risen from the dead, who is God himself, and he is alive. Paul says that all of our faith rests and hinges on that one thing. That if Jesus is not alive, everything that we're doing here and talking about is is an absolute waste of time. Guys, Jesus is alive. He is alive. Jesus is the incarnate word of God. He is God made flesh. He's, he's, he's God who took on human form. And in that, right, he forever joined himself to the human race. Do you realize that there is a human being in the Trinity? That's God's commitment. It's his faithfulness, as Joey talked about, to us. And forever, from, na- from, from that point until forever, God has made himself one with his creation and with the human race. And through, you know, this mystical way of Jesus' life and his death on the cross and then his resurrection, God has brought us into that life. Everyone who believes in Jesus, God says, right, shares in that life. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard about this a lot of times probably. Jesus, you know, he died on the cross, raised again, you know, he's alive. You've heard that before. What difference does that actually make in your life? And here's the thing you have to understand today that this passage is talking about. It's that Jesus is actually with you. There has never been a part of your life where Jesus has not been walking by your side. There's not a moment in the history of your life where Jesus has not been by your side. It doesn't mean that you've been able to perceive his presence or to know what he's up to in a certain situation, but he is with you. He's with you on this journey now. And as this passage is talking about this confidence entering this most holy place, it talks about Jesus, his body being broken, which is the curtain, which is a reference to the veil that was torn. The reason that Jesus came, the reason that he gave his life, the reason that he was risen from the dead and is alive, the whole reason for all of that is so that you would know him. 
is so that you would know that he's with you, so that you would have confidence to enter that place of connection and relationship with God. That is what God is after. This morning I was walking in this room and just praying and I just asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want, you know? He said, Brian, I want your heart. He wants you to know him because knowing him is eternal life. Not just that you would live forever, but that you would experience the fruit of the spirit in your life now. Jesus said, you know, I I say these things so that my joy, the level of joy that I carry, he's not a grumpy God, the level of joy that I have would be in you, that my joy would be in you and your joy would be full. And it's knowing Jesus, it's knowing him, it's knowing that he is with you in your life that makes all the difference. We sang one of those songs today about, you know, the bowels of hell shaking, right? I kind of love that part. You know, you think about kind of the devil, you know, sorry, I have young kids. We, we talk a lot of potty talk. You know, pooping his pants, you know, in the presence of Jesus. There's nothing more dangerous to darkness than someone that believes that Jesus is with them and then lives that out. When I was a freshman at Gordon, it was in January, like right after the break. And I had a Thursday class. I think it was like 11 to 12.30 or something like that. I don't know if they still use these same times. And then I had a 1.15. So there was this short 45-minute window to like get over the lane and get my, get my food, you know, and like eat and then get back to my 1.15 class. And it was kind of snowy, wet day, and so there was slush everywhere. And I remember walking into Lane, and, you know, I, I had a little bit of a lonely freshman year. And um, I was like, okay, you know, the place was packed. And so I walked in, and I was like, well, what am I going to eat? I don't want to stand in line for, like, the main course. Or, you know, I was like, all right, I'll just grab some clam chowder. And there was, like, at the grill, some grilled cheese sandwiches. And I just, like, grabbed it, threw it on my tray. And I walked into the main uh, eating area in the back, and there were, that was before there was a sunny side. So, oh, a long time ago. And there was just like nowhere to sit. Couldn't see anybody I knew. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll go downstairs. There's probably some room down there in Gillies. And so I'm like walking down the stairs, holding my tray with this bowl of clam chowder and this grilled cheese sandwich. And I'm just like taking these steps and everything's wet and I step and just slip and of course like coming opposite me is this girl with this probably brand new from Christmas like black wool coat pea coat and so like I'm falling and the clam chowder just goes like flying through the air and lands right on this girl's coat and I'm like on my back and I'm like staring up at this girl you know like Clam chowder everywhere, you know. And she was totally like, you know, cool about it. I mean, as cool as you can be. It's like that when that happens. But, I, you know, I, I pick myself up. I'm, you know, I'm covered. And it just, it was this incredibly lonely moment for me, you know. 
she was as gracious as she could have been. This other guy kind of came up and said, hey, are you going to eat that sandwich? <laughs> and I was like, no. He just grabs it and walks off. You know, I was like, cool. Thanks, thanks for the help, bro. You know? I'll just pick myself up. You know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Thanks. You know, I'm, I'm good. So as I was thinking about that memory, if Jesus wasn't just playing games when he said, and lo, I am with you always. If that wasn't just this kind of blanket statement, yeah, my presence is everywhere and I'm kind of all over the place. But if he actually really meant that, then even in that moment, I wasn't alone. And he was there comforting me, telling me it's all right, helping me pick myself up and just move on and and say, it's all right, I'm with you. And guys, that's the Christian faith. It's growing in an awareness and a trust that Jesus is with you, whether you can perceive him or not. And growing in a confidence that Jesus is taking care of all your garbage. You just need to hear that again today. Whatever you're coming in here uh, uh, you know, uh, of your life and the, the mistakes maybe that you've made and, and the guilt or shame that you feel. Did you hear it in this passage? Removing a guilty conscience? That is what God is all about. That's what the cross is all about. He's taking care of the separation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing that you do now can garner the love of God. You don't don't have to be faithful for God to be faithful and for the doors to be open wide. Guys, the veil is torn. Jesus rended that thing asunder. Man, he tore it in half, top to bottom. God loves you, and he is with you. He he, he gave his body, right? He broke himself so that you could enter into relationship with him. He wants you to know him. And, you know, when, when, when Jesus died, He took death with him. And he took you with him. Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. The crucifixion was about the death of you and the death of death. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me who loved me and gave himself for me. That is what this is about. And Paul lived in the presence of God, but he knew that he was washed clean, that nothing was gonna separate him from the love of God. And guys, God wants you to know that today, that Jesus is alive and he's with you. He's not against you. He's not standing far off. When you fall down those steps and dumb clam chowder on somebody, he's right there. And when you make another mistake or when you mess up, he's there. That's the gospel. He's with you. He's with you. And he can be with you regardless of what happens in your life, regardless of the wrong things you do. He can be with you because he did it. He took care of it on the cross. Guys, he's with you. 
And I just, I just want you to hear this again. He, he, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father after the resurrection, the Bible says. But he's not chained to that throne. He is moving in this earth. People are encountering him all over the place and he wants you to encounter him as well. A huge thing that Antioch's a part of is uh, overseas uh, mission work to especially unreached peoples. And we had a team in the Sudan a number of years ago. That team was actually, they got basically kicked out of the country a number of years ago. But we took a missions trip there and I had heard that Muslims were seeing visions or dreams of a man in white all over the place. And so when we went to the Sudan, we had been walking around one day and the whole goal of being there was to support our long-term team and just throw lots of seeds out, as many as we could, and see if there was a hunger and response. And a friend and my named John and I were walking around the city and just asking the Lord where we should walk and we were kind of getting lost and we were actually looking for paper because we had to print some stuff out for this other kind of thing we were doing at a local university. And we're just trying to like walk with Jesus. We're just trying to walk with Jesus and believe that he's there with us in the Sudan, you know, in the city of Khartoum. And we just feel like he's saying, all right, we'll take this street. All right, we'll go this way. And we're just, every time we're, you know, we're kind of getting lost, we just stop and ask for directions from Jesus. And sure enough, as we're walking down the street, we see this guy that I had met in a restaurant like a couple days before. And we walk over to him and start chatting with him. And he's, and he's, and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? And we're actually looking for paper, you know, da, da, da. He's like, oh, there's a print shop right behind me. So in this huge city of like millions of people, we find this guy that we had met a few days before. He's friendly and he helps us get the paper we want. And then we sit down and we kind of start talking to this guy. And we don't really know what we're doing. You know, like we're a bunch of like two white dudes like in Sudan, okay? But we know that Jesus is with us. And so we just throw out this question, hey, any chance you've ever had a dream of a man in white? You know? Yes. I have. In fact, I've had a recurring dream of a man in white who comes to me and like fills me with life and then I put my fingers in the earth and it spreads and all these flowers spread up. I've had that dream a number of times. And we're like, we can tell you who that is. And over the next like week, we met with this guy over and over again and he received Jesus into his life. I just want to tell you, that is one example that I personally have experienced. That Jesus is moving and that he's alive and he's with you. He's with you. He's not chained to that throne in heaven. Jesus is alive and he's with you on this earth. And he wants you to be a member of his body. He wants you, that last part of this passage, he wants you to be a part of his body body. The church is his body. The gospel, Jesus, what he did, it creates a new people, a new family, the family of God. And Jesus tells us, hey, you got to gather. You got to be together. And the body has many members, the Bible tells us. It's a a diverse group of people. And Gordon's students, specifically, I just want to challenge you. Gordon's not a church. 
The Lord wants you to be a part of what he's doing in the local church. And so whether that's Antioch, we'd love to have you, or some other church in this area, I want to say the church needs you, and you need the church. There's one thing that as you look around, there's, there, there's one main thing that it just stands out that, that this community lacks. Old people. I just want to say, old people rock. And listen, I know you've just left home. Okay? And you're kind of like, man, finally I get to be around some people that can get me. You need those old people. And you know what? They need you. They need you. And multi-generational community is one of the beautiful things that the church is called to be that actually brings about incredible transformation in our lives. In both of those directions. And so I just want to challenge you guys. When I, when I was a freshman at Gordon, at the end of my freshman year, I got invited to lead, uh, I got a couple different invitations to different ministry things. I had been on the basketball team and I just decided I was done with that and I wanted to move on and start doing some different things. I got invited to help a youth group in Manchester by the Sea, which is a town one away from here. I got invited to help my sister and her husband do a youth group in Lynn at East Baptist Church. And then I had an invitation to run this student ministry called Brothers in Christ. Door number one, door number two, or door number three. And I chose door number three. And you know what? It was great. But looking back, the thing that I lacked in that community, it was Brothers in Christ was this uh, men's ministry on campus. It was like a men's Bible study. It wasn't really part of a church and I didn't have that, that old people around me to really shepherd me and lead me as I was leading this group. And God used that and he did things. And I'm not down on Gordon Student Ministries, but I just wanna say that they're not a replacement for being a part of the church. And one of the things is that multi-generational community, you need old people in your life. Now, Jesus is with you, and that means you gotta follow him. So whatever he's calling you to, you do that. But I wanna just say, hey, looking back, I wish that I had plugged more into the church. And the other reason is because in four years' time, you won't know anybody on this campus. Well, maybe eight years for some of you. People are cycling through here. But if you get plugged into a local church, you can build relationships that you could have for a lifetime. Okay? Just a little challenge for you there today. Okay? So I said I wanted to leave you with, with two tools here. Okay? There's a couple ways that the church gathers that are really important. One is like this. This is important. But there's another way that the church gathers that is equally important and sometimes more important. And that is in the 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Anywhere in that range. Because church is not about a show. Church is about connection. Where people know your junk and it's cool. Not to let you stay in that junk. But it's cool. Where you're loved, where you're known. Where even though you can talk about anything that you're struggling with. They say, hey, love you and we're here for you to walk, walk this out. Alright? So I said one truth today. The one truth is that Jesus is alive and he's with you. And here's the two tools. The first is this bookmark. Can we get some Antioch volunteers to pass these out? Probably like 10 or 12 people. Just start sending these things around. Just come on up. Come on, Antioch people. Just anybody. Just pass these out. What's on this card is a very simple, reproducible tool to do what's called a discovery Bible study. 
This is something that is being used all over the world. And it it, it doesn't require you to be a teacher. It just says, hey, let's open up the Bible, and together we're going to explore what God is saying to us in this. So, hey, man, hey, 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 person, you could do this. Like, you could pull your roommate into this, and you could do this together. You could pull a couple people from your floor together, and you could do this. It's so simple, okay? But it's a way to be the church, all right, in a small group. And I just want to say that it's so important. Here's a tool. I just want to leave you that. I'm not going to cover that. You can, you can YouTube this. There's people that will explain this way better than I can. If you just YouTube Discovery Bible Study, this card will explain it. But if you want to get more information on that, there you go. Okay? The second tool I want to leave you with is, this comes from a guy named Jim Wilder, who is a disciple of Dallas Willard. Okay? One of the things that this guy talks about is the power of appreciation. That actually in our brain, there's a switch. It's a relational switch. And when we get stressed out or we get triggered by something in our life, that switch turns off. And we go into fight, flight, or freeze. And the relational aspect of our brain and the lizard turns off and the lizard brain, like survival, turns on. And so it becomes this like response thing. Maybe uh, you're already having a memory come up or some triggering, okay? And one way to get the relational circuits back on in your brain is through appreciation. So if you're ever leading a group and you want to help people connect more, one of the ways you can start that group is by having everybody go around and share an appreciation memory. Hey, tell me about some memory from your childhood that was really special. Or tell me about something this morning that was just a nice little memory of that cup of coffee or conversation you had or whatever. It turns your relational circuits on. And guess what? It also helps you to perceive the presence of God, which shouldn't be that much of a surprise because the Bible knows all this stuff, right? God knows all this stuff about the brain and how we work, which is why there's so much in the Bible about thanksgiving. Worship itself is a form of appreciation. It's, It's helping us connect to God, and that's what it's doing. So this is the second tool that I want to give you, and that is sitting in an appreciation memory to help you turn your relational circuits on in your brain to help you connect more with other people and also it will help you to strengthen that part of you to perceive the presence of God. Because I know for some of you, it's nice for me to stand up here and say Jesus is with you, but if you've never felt that in your life, then I just want to say, hey, God wants that for you. And so we're going to do it right now. All right? So we're going to end with this. And... uh, then we'll have the worship team come back up and we're going we're gonna to sing a song and we'll have an opportunity for you to receive prayer if you want to do that. So this is what we're going to do, okay? I want you to close your eyes for a minute, okay? And I want you to, essentially what we're doing right now is we're going to a happy place. So I want you to think of one memory in your life that is just a really happy memory. Maybe it was a birthday party, child, maybe it was a graduation party recently, maybe just it was you sitting alone and, 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 you know, whatever. And if it's connected to God, even better. But it doesn't have to be. So I just want you to go there. Think of a memory, any kind of happy place, 100% positive memory in your life. And I want you to start going through the five senses. What did you smell? What did you feel? Like what what was touching you? Or, Or, you know, like as you're sitting or... What did you see in that memory? What, did you, what were you hearing in there? And just start replaying that in your mind. 